Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Pastor Mike here with Pastor McKitty from Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And glad to have you with us. We're studying through our series on the books of First and Second Kings, and our series is called Desiring the Kingdom. And if you haven't been able to listen to last week's message, or if you've missed some of them, just go to whitefieldschurch.com and you can download them there. And of course, any any podcast platform that you use, uh, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Google Play, you can certainly find them there. Subscribe, like, you know, that always helps to and benefits this channel as we try and get this uh, content out and to bless people through it. But uh, yes, First Kings chapter 17 this week and the title of the message was From Death to Life and we took a look at the the story of the uh, you know Elijah last the uh, the last sermon you we have Elijah visiting this widow and of course the whole miracle of of um, the oil and and the bread and it's been going like three years pretty much where every time she dips into the oil and every time she you know gets the flour you know God continues to provide and then we have this situation here where her son now dies and you know. We certainly could, you know, take from the text that this is a, you know, quite a, a tense situation. She's holding on to her child. She's probably screaming there at Elijah, and she's saying all kinds of things about God, about Elijah, and all these kind of things in this situation. Probably super tense, and and uh, it's just kind of a window into humanity here and there's a few things that we probably glean from this situation yeah yeah and I could say it's not just the woman who seems uh, very emotional about this situation but you can also see that Elijah himself acts fairly emotionally and I think that the big takeaway from this just is is really that um People need to have room for that. They need to have, and God's big enough to handle that. He's big enough to handle our questions, um, and and there's also a time for correcting, you know, theological errors, and uh, and having theological pre- precision. And there there's a time for correcting things, and then there's a time to let people grieve and mourn. And what really gets me is there in uh, verse 18. It says that this woman said to Elijah, what do you have against me, O man of God? You have come to bring death, uh, bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. So there's two accusations in there. One of them is that she's blaming herself and saying that this has happened because of some sin in my life. Now, most likely that's not why her son died. You know, we have an example of that from in Jesus's life and uh, with his disciples in the gospel of John, where his disciples see a man born blind and they ask, you know, who sinned the, the father or the mother that this child was bl- born blind. And Jesus said, neither rather this happened so that God could be glorified. And, uh, and so we see this situation here where death is part of life. Sickness is part of life. God has provided for them. God has taken care of them. And yet it's like in the moment, she totally forgets years of provision, the grace of God, the mercy of God, it all goes out the window because of the pain of the moment. And so she first says, well, God's done this because he's paying me back for something I did in my past. The other thing she says is you did this to me, Elijah. Elijah hasn't done anything to her. I mean, he's been there to help her all along and he continues to help her. But I just find it so interesting that Elijah has the grace and the patience and the wisdom to say there might be a time to have this discussion 
and, and this theological talk where we need to explain that this is how God works and this is how God doesn't work and this is the, the curse of sin and death and no, I did not kill that. But rather than taking it personally, um, rather than missing the point of the moment, Elijah has the sensitivity, the emotional maturity, I guess you could say, to say, okay, you know what? Right now, is not the time for that discussion. Right now, you're a grieving, hurting person, and I just need to pray for your son. So it says that he takes the son out of her hands. So, I mean, that's an important part of the picture. It means she's holding the body of her deceased child in her hands as she's shouting. And Elijah then goes upstairs to his room and he prays in verse 20. He says something interesting himself. He says, O Lord, have you brought calamity even upon this widow whom I sojourned by killing her son? Which brings up a whole nother question, which is, does God kill people? Did God kill this boy? And I think that you have to say by looking at the Bible that there are times when God absolutely does kill people. I was just reading in Genesis 38 where uh, the two sons of uh, Judah were so wicked that it says that God put them to death. I mean, you, even in the New Testament, you have Ananias and Sapphira who appear to be Christians, and yet there's a temporal, immediate judgment upon their lives because of what they do, and that's done as a sign for other people. There's, there's the example of Herod, right, who commits this great blasphemy, calling himself God, and then he dies on the spot. And of course, it brings up other questions, which, um, which might be beyond what the Bible gives us answers to, but there are definitely things that happen with us, right, that we want to have cut and dry, black and white answers. We want to know, well, why did this boy die and other people don't die. Why, why would God kill Herod, but he didn't kill Hitler? Why did God do certain things and not other things? Why did God heal one person and not another? And these are, these are really big issues, really big questions. They're questions that we struggle with. And I think if you look at the Psalms, you know, you see that God welcomes our struggles. He welcomes us pouring our hearts out to him. He's big enough to handle it. And yet I think it's important with David that you see that though he pours these things out, he always comes around, you know, he doesn't stay in that place of blasphemy. He doesn't even allow himself to do that uh, once he's out of that crisis situation. So I, I think there's a lot in here that's really important for us to take note of. Um, and, and I think, you know, these are, these are tough questions, but they're, they're real ones. Yeah. And I think the key word is they're, they're questions. And, and many times there's not an answer. And I think we sometimes have to be comfortable with that. And I think especially as pastors and leaders and churches, we feel the need to give an answer many times to those questions. When people come to us, they're hurting church comes to us, they're hurting, you're going through a situation, God, for some reason, does not answer the prayer, and then they're looking to us for answers, and we, we can get ourselves into trouble by trying to project some kind of reason for why God did that that's not, you know, something that he would have, have done, you know, and I think that can be very difficult for us as, as we want to have answers, and I think that's got people into trouble a lot, that's where you you know, many times find this, this idea that, well, you didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith or you didn't get healed because there's some sin in your background. Like, you know, we tend to, you know, even blame ourselves. A woman, what's her first go-to? Well, I did something 
that's why God is, is, you know, this is punishment for some, we can all have that, you know, we've all done things in our lives and we're like, well, that's the reason why this is happening to me because God's punishing me for A, B, C, you know, and D. And so I think, I think it's good. I think sometimes we just leave the question there and let God answer it in his time. And whether that's this side of heaven or next side of heaven, you know, on the other side of heaven, you know, that, you know, I think, but I think that's so difficult for us as humans. We want answers, right? We want to Google it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, what's the answer to this? Well, the very first book of the Bible written chronologically is a book that deals with the question of why do bad things happen to people? And perhaps we say good people, perhaps not, but either way, you know, it's an issue, which is a whole department of theology. It's called theodicy. And it's the question of evil. Why does evil exist? Why do bad things happen? There's what's called the trilemma. We've talked about it before, but the trilemma of theodicy is if God can do every do anything, and if God is loving, then why does evil exist? Why do bad things happen? And essentially, you could think the first book that God inspired in the Bible was the book of Job, in which we see those exact questions being asked. Why did this happen? And then people trying to give answers, and their answers all fall short. And in the end, um, God says to Job, Job, hey, do you, uh, where were you when I created the earth? Were you there? Oh, no, you weren't, right. And, uh, and he's asking him, Job, are you, are you okay with the fact that I'm God and you are not? And at the end of the day, um, Job doesn't actually get an answer to his question. And you're right. I don't think that we like that. We, we like to be able to box everything up nicely, put a bow on it and set it aside. Okay, we've sorted that one out, right? And God just simply won't let us do that. But I think that whole thing with Job, you know, is like, you know, it's a, it's a big job, right? <laughs> Organizing the world and seeing, you know, like you think about, like we were talking about movies and the butterfly effect, right? Like if you kill a butterfly, what are all the effects of it? And, uh, and if you take out Hitler, then what things don't happen and, and all these things. And God is saying, hey, look, this is really complicated and there's a lot going on here. And I want you to trust me. And one of the things we said this weekend, which we said before in our, in our study in First Peter, was that faith isn't faith unless it's tested. Unless it's put to the test, that's not actually faith. It's, it's not faith when you can see clearly. That's the whole idea. We walk by faith, not by sight. Now, that isn't saying that we have blind faith. We have reasons for trusting in this God. He's given us abundant reasons. And yet there's a degree of faith because... Again, at the end of the day, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we have to have faith. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of the day, our God is bigger than our ability to comprehend him. You know, and I think that was what Job and the friends, the friends were trying to comprehend and put it in a box. As you said, you know, we just want to we want to tie it up nicely and have an answer for everything. But, you know, and I think this is comforting. Our God is greater than our ability to comprehend him. And I'm mm. thankful for that because he sees things that we don't see coming. And he has the ability and omnipotent, uh, omnipotence, omnipotence, yeah. omniscience, all those characteristics that are not ours. And, you know, we're grateful for that because it's through that that Jesus was able to save us from our own destruction. Yeah. Know? And just one last thought is this, that oftentimes people ask, well, why doesn't God do something? You know, if, if there's all this pain and suffering in the world, why doesn't God do something? And the fact is, that is exactly what God has done, right? He left heaven and came to earth, traded a crown of glory for a crown of thorns. He has done something so that in the end he can 
put all of these things, you can put death to death once and for all, and that will happen. And that, that's the great promise and hope that we have as Christians. And what it means, you say, well, why not yet? Well, there's a very good reason because that God's not done saving people, right? There are more people that he wants to bring into the kingdom. And right now there's a window that's open. And that just makes you think about your own life in a different way. My life is not for me at this point, right? I've been saved and no longer do I live for myself, but for him who for my sake died and was resurrected. Yeah, no, that's a great point to end this episode on. And uh, yeah, just that that the Lord has, has done it for us. And uh, we're so grateful for that. And if that's something that you're dealing with, you know, just cling to the Lord. If it's something that you're going through, you know, trying to find blame and put blame and, and those kind of things really doesn't get us anywhere. What we need to do is just cling cling to Jesus during those times and just look look to the face of the Lord. And so if you missed our, our, our uh, sermon, uh, whitefieldschurch.com, you can go down there and download it. Uh, I think it's downloading here, subscribing here, and we will look, see you again next week. God bless.